Hey, welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you're tuning into this episode. Uh, we are a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we really appreciate you listening, watching on YouTube. We really encourage you to subscribe to whatever platform you're using. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, or if you're on Apple or however you listen to a podcast, be sure and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. Also, make comments if you like it and share it if you like it. We really need people to make comments and share the episodes that you like. And then also, if you're not already a supporter, we really would encourage you to go to spiritualityadventures.com and you can pick a tier and we have bonus content for every type of giver. These are this is a nonprofit, so they're tax deductible donations, but we do provide bonus content for those who uh, are supporters. So be a part of the team, help support Spirituality Adventures, and we're so glad you're tuning into this episode. Hey, welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. Glad you're tuning into this episode, and I have, uh, I am so excited. I have a, a repeat guest last year, November 2022, I interviewed Dan Cox. He is the uh, uh, former pastor of Grand Junction Vineyard. So we were colleagues in the vineyard. Both of us were pastoring a couple of the larger churches in the vineyard movement. Um, Dan uh, was a guy that I really admired and uh, was always trying to pick his brain to, to learn from him because he was such a good leader. And, uh, you know, our, our lives have... Uh, intersected here and there through the years. I'm grateful for it. I was just out in Telluride doing, working on my memoir. Dan has a memoir called Disillusioned, and we talked about that at the on the last interview. So I want to refer you back to that November 2022. You can go back on my YouTube or on my podcast channels and listen to that. Um, and uh, And then I was driving through Grand Junction and shot Dan a text just a couple of weeks ago and we had Mexican food together in and just what right outside Grand Junction yeah or, Clifton Clifton yeah in Clifton Colorado so it was really fun to reconnect with him and uh he was we we got to talking about uh all kinds of things but near death experiences really caught out of all the things we talked about that was the thing that's like dang I want to talk more about this. Let's do a podcast on near-death experiences. Right. A couple of old guys talking about near-death experience. How's that, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I guess we're getting ready, huh, Fred? <laughs> and like, what do we have to look forward to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. I've got this little, my grandpa on my mom's side had a, had like a skull on his desk that had a jaw that you could hit it and the jaw yeah. would go up and down, you know, one of those old yeah. little deals. And I've kept that on my desk to remind myself of my mortality. And the older I get, the closer it feels. It, it, and what's weird is my mom and dad are still alive, you know, so they're 87, yeah. 88. And of course, I know, you know, all of us think about this, our mortality, but as, as our time draws uh, closer to that time, we think, Maybe we think about it more. Maybe we think about it less. I don't know. But well, I think there's a lot of denial about it, too. That people don't want to think about it. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, we kind of got off on this. We got off on uh, 
near-death experiences. We talked about magic mushrooms and all kinds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a child from the 60s and the 70s, so it's happening in those days. You're a little bit younger, and maybe you're still happening then, too. I don't know. Yeah. Well, when I was 14, 15, 16, I did, you know, I was trying all kinds of drugs then. That was before I gave my life to Jesus and felt called to be a pastor. Yeah. And then, and then now I'm kind of like going, huh. There, you know, there's so much interesting research being done on plant medicine now. I'm kind of like, huh, maybe yeah. it wasn't too far off the path. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but you, you've been doing, why don't you tell people about your work around hospice care first and kind of let them know kind of your experience and why this near-death experience has been interesting to you. Okay. And I'm just going to kind of free will and see where this, this conversation takes us. I know you've studied this. You've worked with it way more than me. Right. We have one friend, common friend, Steve Shogren, who has had yeah. a death experience and actually wrote a book on it. And I remember having Steve come and talk to my church about that one time after, not, not long it's after. Fascinating. Yeah. And yeah. You know, it, uh, it really kind of started around a friend's house on a Sunday morning. And it was in the days you still got a newspaper. And uh, she said, look, there's a there's an opening at hospice. I think you'd make a good chaplain. I went, I don't think so, you know. But anyhow, I was looking for something to do. And uh, so I called and got an interview. And the next thing I know, I'm a hospice chaplain, which is really kind of interesting, Fred, because hospitals and me never went together as long as i was in the ministry i never felt like comfortable in a hospital and uh, here i am in the midst of watching people die and going what am i doing here and i think part of what is interesting for me is looking back because i don't really see god leading me at the time uh you know but i do look back and go oh this must have been you know a divine encounter or whatever you want to call it that brought me this way. And so I, I started getting fascinated with people that were in this season of life. And then I started having experiences with some of my patients that led me to rethink how I thought about God and how I thought about death. And I think what really got me more than anything else is that some of these patients were so brave, at least what I consider to be brave, hearing that they have a diagnosis that is terminal and their family gathering around them and how they embraced what was coming towards them. And I, I kind of marveled at how they looked at life, which led me to this discovery, which was one of the major discoveries I've ever come across in my life. And I'm not being dramatic when I say that, that death teaches you how to live. You know, that when you know how you're going to die, and I'm not saying in, in the process like cancer or a heart attack or whatever, but I am saying this, that when you have faced it, and there's really nothing to fear in life. And that's what came across to me is these people at the end of their life, started living their life. Mm. And I thought, well, if that's true, then maybe I should start looking at death from a 
different perspective because I really want to live my life, whatever I've got left. And, you know, then the, as both as, as pastors, we know the phrases that Jesus used about, don't be afraid of death. I'm greater than death. I've overcome death. And come to find out, Fred, in these near-death experiences, it's really true what he said, that we survive our physical death. We go on. And it's, it's in a form that we still recognize as to who we are, but we're without a body. And so they have these OBEs, out-of-body experiences. Now, not all, everybody that dies or in the process of dying has an OBE. But people that have a near-death experience are ones that do have an OBE and then, you know, are still conscious, which has really led to a lot of scientists trying to understand what happens to our consciousness at death? Uh, because, you know, primary science basically has taught us that all consciousness resides in the brain. But now we have instruments that actually can tell us when somebody's dead, you know, and when somebody is dead and then they have an out-of-body experience and can tell the doctors and the nurses and everybody else that was in the room when they died, this is what you were doing. This is what you were wearing. This is what you were saying. And with great astonishment, it's led the scientific community to go, where is consciousness? Because this person's brain dead. And yet they can see, they can hear, they can recall everything that's going on. So it's led to quite a discussion about the difference between a physical brain and a mind. And it seems to be that our mind continues after physical death. So that's where all this started from. And so I started reading. And I, like I told you the other night at the restaurant, I bet you I've read 30 to 40 books on this. Mm. And it has striking uh, comparisons, regardless of culture, regardless of background. And I'm talking about, you know, people that have gone through maybe the prison system or people that have been very religious or people that are atheist or whatever, that when they die, they have similar experiences. Well, that, that takes my theology and really scrambles the eggs a lot. Yeah. So I became more and more fascinated with uh, NDEs, you know, and what is it that people share once they, they die? And uh, that's kind of where it all started from, was experiencing people as they actually crossed over and what I saw. Yeah, that's so fascinating. So I remember Steve Shogren, when he had that, uh, you know, death experience, he, he said he felt like he was floating above his body in the, in the ICU room and similar to what you said he could yeah. could tell you what the people were talking about the conversations what they wore who was in the room yeah they were trying to bring him back yeah and uh it's it's really interesting i when i was growing up here in a church our pastor had uh uh cancer and i must have been 17 or 18 year years old and he actually described an out-of-body experience he said i know this sounds weird 
I know that nobody's going to get it. But he said, I was above my body looking at my wife and the doctor and saying he ain't going to make it. And that always fascinated me. You know, it's like, how can you do that? You know, <laughs> how can you be out of your body? But I remember talking to Steve too. And I said, I asked him the question. I said, Steve, was it hard to die? And he said, it's the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. So it's like I stepped into a river and was gone. And and that's what people say, Fred, in, in all these experiences. They say, One of the characteristics of people that have a near-death experience, they're never afraid of death, which really brings up a point. Because I can, I can hear people going, well, what does this have to do with my everyday struggle in life? I mean, what does this do for me to hear about this? Well... It has a whole lot to do with you. And, and the point is, is that when you understand that there's nothing to f- be afraid of in death, because life is hard. I don't know if you found that out yet or not. <laughs> life is extremely last five years, Dan. I would trade them in for a different, <laughs> for a different life, man. I tell you. <laughs> I mean, some of those times when you just go through and you go, what am I doing this for? And, and when you learn... Now, let's just pretend something here, because you and I can talk theology if we want to, but there is precedent in the scripture to talk about a pre-existence to this existence. You know, it was Jeremiah that said, uh, God said, I knew you in the womb, or I knew you before you were formed, and all that kind of stuff. So let's just kind of play with that for a minute. What if we decided in a pre-existence that we were coming here to the planet to learn? Something, something that we couldn't learn in that other place. And this is the only place that we could learn it, you know, and, and, or understand mm-hmm. the difference between what, because if you're in a place where it's all going really well, you really don't know what, you know, negative emotions, circumstances are. Mm-hmm. And maybe we just come here to learn. Mm-hmm. And so if you get that perspective that we're here for a short time, we die, and we're here to learn and to love, then it gives a different perspective of what we're going through. Mm. That this is just a process mm. and that everything's going to be okay on the other side. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm coming from on this, is that people that go through this, their lives, and I, this is just amazing to me, Fred, their lives are fundamentally changed so much. So now get this statistic, 80% of the people that are married, if one of the spouses has a near death experience, get divorced because the, the other spouse is going, give it all away. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, it's just, and the other one's going, well, we've worked for this stuff. Why should I give it up? You know, and they have these kind of conversations because the person that they married is absolutely changed fundamentally by the NDE. Huh. I don't know where that values is. change, and so it makes them a different person, and they're not sure that they want to live with this new person anymore. Exactly, because they're just they're they're too much changed. So. Uh, Look, I a, want to dive into the theology stuff, but okay. before we do that, give give the audience a little bit of like how long have you been doing hospice work? Okay, how many people have you directly worked with that you feel like have had near death experiences? 
share, that's from your own experience as a hospice chaplain, but then also share, you've read 30, 40 books on near-death experiences. Share, share about some of that, just some of your, the breadth of your experience with this. Give okay. Sense uh, of that. Personally, uh, I've talked and been with patients as they are dying or at the moment of death. And some of them are, uh, what I would call one foot in this world and one foot in the next world, you know? And I think I related to you the story of the young man, the guy that had cancer and, uh, his name was Dan and he and I, and this is one of the things about hospice work is you really do become friends with your patients. Well, at least some of them. And he and I became friends and here's, here's talk about learning. He and I planned his funeral. You know, and I mean, it's like, this is what I want said. This is what I want done. And I mean, it's just heart rendering, but they do it with such courage. Like, okay, this is what I'm going on. And they face, which is really an important step. I think in life is that every day we get up, we have to face life. And someday you and I are going to face this thing called death. And when we learn that we don't have to be afraid of it, you know, that we can walk through it and it actually becomes a better existence, then it's, it's okay. So Dan, uh, let me explain a little bit, had a tumor, and the tumor they had taken out, but it came back, and it was so strong that it was actually pushing out his teeth. So hospice had him on copious amounts of drugs to keep the pain away. I mean, that's one of the objectives in hospice is to make you comfortable and have, you know, the best kind of existence until you pass on. So the morning that he passed, his wife called me and said, Dan, the family is here and we would like to tell you a story about Dan's death that happened earlier that morning. So I ran right out there. They were all gathered around and they told me this story. Dan uh, was the youngest of six or seven siblings. And there was quite a uh, separation between he and the next nearest and chronological age sibling that he had. So he was the baby of the family. So on his 18th birthday, he was moving out of the house to go to college. His mom is packing his suitcase. And while she's doing that, she has a heart attack. I mean, it was really, and died on his suitcase. So he had been living now for 43 years, thinking that his moving away from home had actually killed his mother. Oh, wow. Now, when you understand that when we when hospice has people on these drugs and and you know to clear up a myth nobody in hospice kills anybody with drugs that's just not that's a a myth it's not true but it keeps the pain away and so people don't come out of that much uh drugs being in their system you know and just before he died it was like his wife said he's he came up out of his bed, was lucid, and he said, Mom, Mommy. And evidently, his mom came back to get him. And that's the relief that the family had, and that's what they told me, is that, you know, for 43 years at the last moment, he realized <laughs> it wasn't his fault, you know, 
that he didn't kill his mother. And it goes back to this whole understanding about how gracious and kind God is through the whole process of our lives, that he is intimately involved with all the details of our life. I don't know what Dan had to learn. I don't know what his mom had to learn. But I know what I learned from that is that it gave me great appreciation for who God is, that he's intimately involved in all of our lives. So that's one illustration. Um, other ones, I, I had a dear friend. Now, this is kind of personal, but my dad and my uncle had passed on before he did. And I happened to be at his bed when he was dying. And he was asking his wife and me if he, uh, if we couldn't see my dad and my uncle who were in the room. I'm going, I don't see him. He goes, well, they're standing right there. And he's having like a conversation with them, you know. Well, this is quite common when you read all these books that people start seeing their loved ones as they're beginning to cross over. Now, that doesn't really qualify as a near-death experience, but it does show that there is a, uh, a, a not just an idea, but there is a real world there that's being transported to them as they're going through this phase of of dying so and then uh you know so i i actually have put some books together that i've read but one of them so and maybe i can email you later and, and give you a list if people want to look at these they can yeah but proof of heaven go ahead no i'd love to get a list and i can put them when i post this i'll put it in the facebook Notes. Uh, Proof of Heaven by Evan Alexander, who is a neurosurgeon, and uh, he didn't believe in near-death experiences, and he got uh, pneumococcal, whatever it is, uh, I can't, I can't think of the word, but anyhow, meningitis. That's what it was, and uh, had a near-death experience for like seven days, you know. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, during this, this, this is such an interesting story because you hear this in all these books of people that have these kind of experiences and then relate back to it. While he was there in heaven, he, had, he said one of the most beautiful young women that he had ever met in his life that was taking him around. I know this sounds like Alice in Wonderland. Was taking him around and showing him all these things in heaven. And he, I mean, he has so many things to share about it. He was uh, adopted, and he had tried to get back to his family before the near-death experience, and his family of origin didn't want to see him for, and you can read the book and understand why they didn't want to see him at this particular time. So after the near-death experience, he told his wife, I think it's time for me to meet up with my family. So they called him, and sure enough, they said, yeah, we, we want to get back together. So he goes down there. And they have a wonderful reunion. Everything was understood, why it was given away and adoption and all the rest of it. So they're going through photo albums. And he comes across this picture. And there's the picture of the gal, this young, beautiful woman, woman that had taken him all over heaven and showed him all the things that were going on. It was his biological sister that had died two years earlier. Wow. And so when you start hearing this stuff, and like right now, just relating that experience gives me what, you know, goosebumps. It's like, oh, wow. 
you know? And, and, and Fred, one of the things that these people have when they come back, they have no fear of death. It's not like they are looking forward to it, but if it happened today, it's a good day to die. And when you can live like that, then you don't have to take these fiery darts of the enemy and going, what's going to happen to my life? Most people are afraid tomorrow. We don't have to be afraid of anything that comes our way. And that's what I love about this is that, as I mentioned earlier, the courage that these people have as they're going through the near-death experience, it's like a grace is upon them to accept this stage of life. Mm. And as a matter of fact, I was in a conversation with my daughter yesterday, and I was telling her about this who you were and all the rest of it. And I said, you know, I really don't understand why I'm still here. I I really don't. I I don't know why I'm still on the planet. But I said, I have watched as I have related these kind of experiences that I've had in hospice and through the books that I've read. And I've watched, and this is a good thing to think about. On YouTube, you can just type in near death and you can watch it all day. But I said, one of the things that really gives me hope about why I'm here is I can watch the fear, you know, evaporate from people. As I talked about, you don't have to be afraid of death. It's Mm. all going to be okay. Mm. You don't have to worry. And, you know, here's another thing that, that they relate, uh, Fred, that's absolutely fascinating to me is that, uh, there is a life, huh? Camera shifted. Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry. I I just like to see your whole, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I want people to see that too. Yeah. Is that you do have a life review. Mm. You know, uh, well, you know, speaking of that, the Apostle Paul said, I, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. but there was a man 13 years ago that experienced this. And I saw things that I could not utter. I can't even begin to express it in a natural vocabulary that we have today. So, um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Where was I going, Fred? Help me here. Well, I think, um, you were talking about this person that was the neuroscientist and he had describing his near death experience. And then you were, you were getting ready to shift it to another. To Paul and all that kind of stuff about, well, I was talking to my daughter about this. And I, and I said, this is the thing that really, really gives me hope that why I'm still here is that this is the message that I'm supposed to share with people. You don't have to be afraid of death. And that, and that we do have, here's another thing now, and I have to be careful with this because you know, and I know how your heart is about, I love the church. I love the local church. I love what it stands for. I love the encouragement that it brings but sometimes this fear of judgment overrides you know the the joy of everyday existence because we're afraid we're going to be judged and what these people describe is are there are events that come up while we're in this but it's without judgment it's with love Hmm. and what we get to look at is what we did to other people and how they reacted to it, and how we made them feel. And it's not just the negative side. It's also the very good things that we did. Mm. And it comes down to this thing. And when people come back from these life reviews, it's like, I know that I'm impacting other people's lives, so I want to love them. Mm. I want to love them with a pure love. 
I don't want to hurt anybody, you know, but I want to love them. And and I'm going, this is really good, you know, because what the world needs now, like what was her name that's saying what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Yeah. Who's that? I forgot who it was. Turner, Turner. There you go. Uh, And that's, that's what it's all about. If God is love, then this is one of the ways that it's being expressed. Learn how to love your fellow you know, regardless of who they are, you learn to love them. Yeah. Wow. So, so, um, so some of the common experiences are this floating above your body, but being able to describe what's in the room. Um, another one is seeing sometimes people of your family or friends that have died before you. Is that one of them? Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes meeting people that you'd never met on earth, but then you meet them in, in this near death experience. Is that correct? That's very correct. And, uh, what's interesting about it, it is that you can trace that it's a, it's actually a real person that you met in this near death experience, even though you'd not met them on the planet, <laughs> on the planet. On your earth and lots of times that's confirmed through especially family members and photos. Like one, I was, reading about and they saw said so it was like a grandfather so you saw uh papa yeah i saw papa well here's a picture of papa oh he doesn't look like that now you know and then they'll show a picture of how he looked younger and you go oh that's him oh interesting that's him right there so you know they have these kind of experiences and here's another one too that the review part is one of them a review review part it, it seems like not not everybody has a review and here's here's an interesting thing to think about is that no near death experience is exactly the same as far as i can read you know but they have similarities and it's just because how big god is and that he knows how to treat each one of us you know like we need to be treated when we come and it's all with love you know so uh these these experiences that that people have you know really solidify what is real to them that this thing is not just a myth and and again fred fred it's not just about uh religious people let me tell you this one story now this is a gal from boulder and you can look it up on youtube and listen for yourself she is an atheist so she's she's like you are. She she likes to ride her bike. So she's riding her bike in Boulder, and an SUV comes in through a stop sign or whatever, and she knows it's lights out, you know. And sure enough, she gets hit, and immediately she pops out of her body. Now, here's the interesting thing. She can see her body underneath the vehicle, and yet she is in this place above going man, this, this is okay. You know, this, this doesn't really hurt, you know? And she couldn't figure it out. Well, then she goes on through the tunnel. Not, not everybody has a tunnel experience. She goes through the tunnel and she said, I'm in a place where there is absolute love, acceptance. And in her mind, she's going, but I don't belong here because I don't believe this way. Why am I here? Now, now, to me, that is unconditional love. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because the way we were trained, it was like, oh, that kind of a person with that kind of mentality was really in trouble. And yet their experience is totally different than what our theology teaches us. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And and, and her life, now, I mean, I'm asking people to go look at this because I'm not here trying to convince anybody of this stuff. You know, you, you have to figure it out for yourself. And if I'm getting a benefit from it because I'm not afraid of death anymore, you know, then I want to pass that on to other people. Well, here's other people that have had these kind of experiences and going, I mean, to tell you, the other side is like something we have never, ever dreamed of. They talk about colors that we've never seen, music that we've never heard of before. But the biggest thing is, Fred, it's love. You are loved and accepted, and there's nothing that see. And you know, you and I know the scripture from I think it's Ephesians that talks about nobody knows the depth, the width, the breadth, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is of God's love. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be that that's really true. We can we can put the parameters around who we think gets in, but that's not God's standard. Yeah. No. And here's a here's a really good illustration of that. Uh, my daughter was in a murder trial in Denver. She was in the, the jury. And uh, so they, they convicted the guy. And once they convicted the guy, then it was a life imprisonment or whatever. The, and she called me on the phone. She goes, Dad, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so I'm reverting back in my mind. If this is about somebody's physical death and it brings that kind of consternation to a, a young lady about, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Who in the world would want to be in the situation of eternity and saying who's in and who's out? Right. Now, here's an interesting thing about near-death experiences. 1% of them, let me go back and clear that up just a minute. Where somebody belongs in eternity is between them and their God, nobody else. Nobody belongs in that courtroom except God and that person. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think faith is so personal. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know who knows God and who doesn't know God, you know, but it seems to be that God can overlook all the stuff that we've gone through in this life and going, I still love you. Yeah. Nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing can separate you. But it does seem to be that 1% of all near-death experiences are dark scary what you, huh scary dark scary yeah yeah and you know and actually why i've read this i think when i'm i'm no one's coming a story that's not going to be good i'm going oh god don't let it turn out you know like i think it's going to turn out you know <laughs> and and what happens is that in the person cries out if it's a all experience huh it's a dark experience when it's a dark experience he's like a few one percent of the experiences if they're in that dark place they cry out usually they cry out yeah. they cry out because they're afraid yeah. they're not having a good experience and it's always met with acceptance and love huh. and it's like they are on a path here on the planet that's not good god allows us to come into their life they cry out they come back and no more problems. Hmm. Now, here's, here's something that I have thought of is that God would create a place, you know, 
that they could be separate from him because heaven would be hell for the person that didn't want to be around God. So it really does come down to our choice, you know? I've always thought if there is a place, it's got to hinge around free will. And I'm not so sure that it's a permanent place for all eternity, right? That, you know, I kind of tend to think that if there's, if it's choice, then there's choice all the way through, you know, kind of a deal. Well, remember the scripture in the Old Testament that says a uh, uh, thousand years is as a day to the Lord. Yeah. Do you remember that one? So, so, so let's say somebody is really hard-headed and they don't want to see. God goes, well, why don't you go over there for a few thousand years? Because, you know, eventually love wins. I think so. Yeah. I think so too, Fred. And I, I just can't imagine a God that has this kind of love. Right. This kind of acceptance of all of us ever wants anybody to be separated from him. Right. But if you have to learn your lessons the hard way, then learn your lessons the hard way, you know? I've learned a few lessons the hard way for sure. <laughs> I haven't stopped. <laughs> well, here's an interesting thing. Let's do a little theology dive. You know, when okay. I was working on my PhD in the Hebrew Bible, um, in, the, in the Hebrew Bible, the the place of the dead is called Sheol. Sheol, yeah. It's not hell. It's usually it, in the in the Hebrew understanding of life after death. You're it was attached to the land, and your ancestors w- lived on after death, but were attached to the family land, family heritage, and so there was this. There was always a sense of being able to interact with your ancestors that had died before you. And typically you interacted with, with those people on your family land. So people would, have, people would have dreams or, or encounters with people that had died previously. And you and I referenced a few of these and they're, they're there in the Hebrew Bible, right? You know, Samuel right. coming back and talking to Saul and, uh, Elijah and Moses and yeah. Jesus when he's, yeah, and they were both dead. Yes. So, and what's interesting is even if you go outside the Bible, because on this podcast, I, I explore a lot of things. I don't limit it to just sort of like our Christian understanding. Right. If you go through, you know, all tribes historically, you know, throughout human history, almost all uh, tribes have some kind of theology about ancestor contact with your ancestors who have gone, who have died before you. And there's a rich, rich history of, of, of interaction with, with that from all cultures. This isn't contingent on any one culture or any one belief system. It's, it's a human phenomenon. Right. Um, that, that people have encounters with family or loved ones before, you know, after death. Kind of thing, yeah. and so Sheol is that word for that in the Hebrew Bible. And there's really not a lot of talk in the Hebrew Bible about resurrection or or heaven and hell. It's really just Sheol in the Hebrew Bible. In the inner biblical period, you started getting a little bit more elaborate view of this heaven and hell, two different locations. You know, a final judgment, and then then you go one place or the other. And that really started in the inner biblical period. Jesus certainly had references to stuff like that, but sometimes I wonder if 
if if because if you read the actual words like Gehenna and some of the words that Jesus uses for the place of the dead, um, these are quite interesting. Uh, sometimes I think they're metaphors, and sometimes I think we go through heaven or hell on earth, mm-hmm. not just an afterlife experience, but um, a here on earth experience. Like I've been in the recovery world for the last four years, and you know, people will tell you, yeah, we're not afraid of hell. We've been through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I do think that there's a an earthly reality to heaven and to hell. Um, but it, it, it could be just for metaphors of when we go through these dark, dark periods and feel separated, feel isolated, feel alone, uh, feel disconnected. Yeah. And, and it, again, it's like hell when you feel that way, right? You know? Yeah. You go through these dark times, it, it feels, I felt like I was in hell. I didn't want to, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to live anymore, you know? And yeah, uh, that's pretty well, that, well, You know what the apostle Paul said, the fiery darts of the enemy. And that, that comes here. Mm-hmm. And what you're just describing is that people go through horrible things in their life, yeah. you know? And, and it's like, how do you overcome that? How do you, how do you deal with that every day? And, and to me, the plausible answer is maybe we signed up to come here to learn that lesson, mm-hmm. you know, and to get through it. Now, going back to the ancestral thing, I do have an interesting, and I, I think this is true, that the reason why, like, with the man that saw my dad and my uncle in the same room, and yet they were dead, you know, is that when we come into this life, you know, our our spirit is subjugated to the physical realm. So the physical body becomes the dominant sphere in our existence. And then as we grow through our life, it becomes more and more dominant. And then we hit this time when we're nearing death and what, what succumbs or is submitted to the spirit is the physical. And so the spirit grows and that's why they're able to see things that we can't see. And that's why we see the ancestors. That's why we see. And there seems to be really good proof. Now, Raymond Moody, who wrote, and he's the one that coined uh, near-death experience. He wrote a book, uh, Life After Life. And I would suggest that book. That's just a fascinating book. And he's come out with another one now called Shared Dithic death experiences where people can be in the same room and they don't even have to be family members, you know, and have, they go out of body with the one that's departing. As a matter of fact, there's a chaplain that wrote about this and he was with a man while he was dying. And he said, the next thing I know, I'm with this guy. I know this sounds really weird. It, It inspires me. And this guy's looking at him and he's, he, you know, he's different now. And he's looking at the chap and he goes, oh, this is cool. <laughs> this is really cool, you know. So when, when you see this kind and hear this kind of stuff that people are passing on, then, then the whole thing opens up and they see people that they've never seen before. They hear things that they've never heard before, which is really scriptural, what the Apostle Paul said. I, I can't imagine. All. And here's the other thing that they see about their loved ones is that their loved ones, when they know they're coming back, their loved ones will tell them or a voice will tell them or God will tell them, you know, this is not your time. You know, they never want to leave. Hmm. Interesting. They want to stay there. Yeah. 
And, and here's an interesting thing about it, Fred. And, and almost every one of them will say it. It's like I'm home. Hmm. I'm finally home. I'm where I belong. I know who I am. You know, everything is perfect there. Hmm. And nobody wants to leave. They don't want to come back. Uh, let me give you another gal. It's seven, seven Lessons from Heaven. Her name is Mary Neal. She's a medical doctor. Hmm. And she had, well, she was down in Chile in, on a, uh, oh, those little boats. What do they call those? Uh, Sandra has one. Jeez. <laughs> kayak. She's kayaking. Mm -hmm. And she goes over this fall. And she knew when she was going over, she was in trouble. Now, she's a medical doctor. She's an orthopedic surgeon. You can find her story on, on uh, YouTube. Okay. And uh, she said, I could, as she went over, her legs were stuck in the kayak. And she said, I could feel them breaking, mm. you know. And she goes under. She's under for like 29 minutes before they find her. So, again, she's separated, boom, she's out of her body. She's watching all this thing go on. She goes to heaven, and she has this incredible experience. Now, she has four children. And, you know, here's something that's really interesting about me and, and, and women is that when they carry a child in their own body, there is a bond that they have that men don't have with their children. That doesn't mean that the uh, father doesn't love the children any less than the mother does. There's just a different bond there. And I have noticed that. I mean, it's the most sensitive bond I think there is on the planet. It's a mother with their mm -hmm. children. And she said, I love my children. Mm -hmm. And she said, I was in this place, and you'll just have to read the story for yourself, felt such love, such acceptance, and all the rest of it. And I think it was Jesus that was telling her, you got to go back. Mm. She's going, now think about this. Mother going, I know I can't see my kids anymore, but I don't want to go back. Mm. That's how strong it is. You know, that here she is in this existence, and she knows that she has to go back, and she's choosing, I'd rather be here mm. than back there with my children. And she, she can describe it in such a way that she knew she was dead 29 minutes you know, and when she comes back, she tells everybody the story. And it's one of those ones that you just have to stand and go, I don't know. Now, why she's there, they, now, I, I don't know. None of us understand this stuff. She was told that her son, when he was 18 years old, was going to die. And sure enough, when he was 18 year, years old, she got the call that he had died. You know, and it came out just exactly like it was said it was going to happen. So here's something that's so interesting to me, and it really goes against my theology, Fred, in so many ways, that our life is planned out. You know? And, and see, I, I'm an Arminianist. You know, I, I'm not a Calvinist. I am too. And I'm, then when I, when I have to give in to this whole idea that my life is planned out and I'm not really making all the choices, it bothers me. You know, but there is a comfort that comes with it to know everything that you're coming against in your life is there for a reason. And it's to learn how to learn and to love. Mm -hmm. So I'm I, um, 
Ah, so many interesting things. So here's here's something. So with this in mind, even with the ancestor concept, heal and all that, if you go back and read carefully all of Jesus's resurrection appearances in all four gospels. Okay. And read them very, very carefully. There's a mystical component to those exper- to those appearances that that isn't the same as like when me and you were together eating Mexican there in, right. in uh, that little town just a few weeks ago. You know, so, Jesus is passing through solid doors and appearing yeah. in rooms. People are walking on the road to Emmaus and don't recognize him. Uh, some people uh, sometimes see and some people don't. Real similar, like when the Apostle Paul had his vision and got knocked off that resurrection appearance, the guys that were with him didn't see Jesus. They heard a sound, but they didn't see like Paul saw, right? Right, So right. go back and relook at all of those resurrection experiences with Jesus in all four Gospels. I think there's seven total, I think, in all four Gospels. I'm not Some of them overlap, and some of them are unique to each Gospel. But And read those with a little bit different a bit of a mystical bent. It's really interesting. Oh, it is. The other thing is that the Greek Orthodox Church has always believed that the the saints that have gone before us can hear us and we can request, they can be prayer warriors for us just like we pray for each other. So like yeah. a Hebrews passage, Hebrew 12, you know, therefore, since we have such a great, great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That that cloud of witnesses is like picturing a Greek amphitheater where they gather right. to watch the, like Olympic games and stuff like that in the ancient culture. But, but, but then the writer of Hebrews pictures all the s- people that have gone before us and died before us. They're in the arena cheering us on as we live our race. They're cheering us on. And the Greek Orthodox church has always believed that you can, you can talk to the saints and request. Oh, yeah prayer requests to the saints and stuff like that. And that there's a, that there's a, there's not as big of divide between life and death as we sometimes think there is. Right. Exactly. It's a real small, band. <laughs> very, very thin. Yeah. Uh, stories. Uh, people that have had near death experiences and met with their relatives. One distinct thing they say is go back and live your life evidently they know when we're coming don't grieve for me i'm really in a good place Mm. you know which actually i have found this to be true that when people get a hold of this i can say this for myself when i hear of a friend that dies or something like that of course i'm sad but what i'm really sad for is the family i'm not sorry for him or her because she's in a better place and, you know, here's the, the real comforting thing for it. They want us to look forward, you know, and gr- people get stuck in their grief. You know that as well as I do. They can't even be paralyzed. And one of the problems they have with that is they wonder if their their loved one is okay. And they're going, oh, I'm okay. I think I told you this story the other day. And, and actually, I have her book, and she is a Hindu. And she had a near-death experience, and it's called uh, Dying to Be Me. Anita Morajani is her name. 
She's dying in a hospital and her uh, mother is on one side and um, her husband is on the other side. I have to get the story right here. So she pops out of her body, you know, and they, they know that she has died and they're crying. They're starting to cry. And she, in her way, because she can't communicate with them, is, oh, don't cry for me. I'm really in a good place. I'm out of my pain. I don't hurt. Now, this is one of the stories, Fred, that grabbed me theologically and started doing this to my mind. Here's a Hindu that's having this exact same experience as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to judge that. I'm just telling you, this lady was experienced the love that we talk about, an all-loving God was looking at her just like he did a Christian. You deal with it. Mm. You know, I have come to the place that I think God's that big. Yeah. You know, then, and, and, and again, I'm not against what Christians, and I am a Christian, what we preach and what we teach and all the rest of it. But is God so big that he's bigger than our parameters we put on him? Do you understand what I'm saying? You I'm, know, uh, I, I believe that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let, let, let me tell you something else. Now, this is a personal story. And this is one of the stories that got me going in a way that I, uh, I have a, a sister and she's four years older than I am. And we had a brother that was stillborn in between us exactly two years. His name was, uh, Kenny and he was named after my dad. Uh, he was, Stillborn, so full nine months, and whatever happened, happened, he died. So a few years ago, my sister gets up early in the morning. She's having her coffee. He comes to her. He's in a plaid shirt and has a baseball cap on. Now, here's really something interesting. And my sister's not nuts. I mean, you know, she's certifiably okay. Okay. And she talks to him for about an hour and a half. Wow. She said, we never spoke, which is another sign of uh, a near-death experience. It's all telepathic. You think it, they know what you're saying, they speak it back to you, and it's perfect communication. Interesting. And one of the, one of the things he said to her, and, and she, now it's really amazing because she could see his smile and all the rest of it. You know, She said, I never really saw his face. Now mm. put that together. Mm. And he said to her telepathically, you didn't think I grew up in heaven. She goes, no, I didn't. And she said, I've never met a being with no guile, Mm. so pure. So it's like, didn't you miss out on life? And he goes, no, (laughs) I've got the best life ever, Mm. you know? And when we think about that other place, I mean, that place that really is somewhere over the rainbow, it mm. really does exist, except it's bigger than anything that we've ever thought about. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's like when I can give people that kind of hope and I get that kind of hope in my own heart, I can go through the fiery darts of the am, uh, enemy here because mm. I know that's all there. As a matter of fact, it's right here, just yeah. like we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. I, you know, it's. Uh, I was thinking the other day, I've been, I've been teaching through Genesis one and two, but with some kind of fun, some fun angles to it Call it original blessing is what I'm talking, I'm talking about trying to learning to live out of Genesis one and two 
because there's no shame. It's our true self. It's our true identity that those those identity markers in Genesis 1 and 2. The shame comes in chapter 3. Most of the time we live out of the shame chapter. That's not our true identity, trying to live out of the, the Genesis 1, 2 stuff. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about, like, chemically, your body is made out of the same stuff as stars. Mm. You know, the hydrogen, the you know, the oxygen, you know, the, the basic chemicals in your body are 90, 95% the same thing that's in stardust. So wow. Chemically. And then genetically, if you, if you trace your DNA to every other living thing and their DNA, there's, we're, we're, we're connected genetically to every living thing. So we're connected chemically and genetically to everything. <laughs> and, and, and then me and you got off. We, we don't want to go down this route. We're running out of time. But remember we talked about fungi and the, the, the uh, mushroom world and the oh, fungi yeah, yeah. world. And yeah, yeah. Like how these, how the underneath trees and plant life is this neural network of fungi that's communicating and networking living things together. Yeah. And it's almost like we live in a neural network of, of, I like to think of it as God's, uh, I like to think God is uncontrolling, creative love, always, always flowing in creativity and love. This God who is present everywhere in this whole universe that we inhabit. That's what the new death experience people uh, talk about is that how we are all connected, you know, that's, and how we treat somebody else reverberates, hmm. you know, and it goes back to this idea of love. You know, that's when we learn to love, that has the same kind of uh, ripple effect into humanity as when we do something negative. So it's always important to know that I really do affect other people by my actions and my love and how I'm concerned about them and what they do for me and what I can do for them. And it's all about learning how to love. That's what God wants us to do here on the planet. Learn to love. And here's the thing that you and I talked about. It's easy to love people that are like us. (laughs) It's extremely difficult to love people that aren't like us. And that seems to be the lesson for a lot of us is to learn to love people that are not like us. And you, you know, we ask, well, why are they in our lives? You know, they're driving me nuts. Well, because you learn to love them. That's what you're here for. Yeah, and if we get wounded deeply by someone, ooh, you know, that's a that's a hard one. You and I both know that one, and it's it's really difficult yeah. to forgive. It but, doesn't mean we have to be around them all the time, and, and and our love is limited here. But the idea is that we don't want to develop, you know, hate right. or bitterness or those kind of things in our heart because it's all going to be all over and it's all going to be okay someday. Everything's going to be all right. There's it's best, it's the best message of hope that I know of. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So interesting. My new favorite passage, Dan, you know how we memorize thousands of verses in the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> and now I can't remember very many. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my new one, uh, only one I've memorized in the last four years, Dan. <laughs> you give me hope, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, First John four sixteen. God is love. 
those who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Yeah. 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 Can I tell you one more story? Boom. Drop the mic. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's great. It reminds me of this story. I have a friend that's an eye surgeon and he, he went to India to help uh, another clinic there. And I think I even referenced this in the book because it was such an astonishing story. He said, I went over there as a Christian to teach, you know, how to do this eye procedure. And he said there was a, a couple there that had ran this clinic. And he said, I was so astonished by the love that they gave to their patients. A lot of them couldn't afford it. It didn't matter to them. And he said, here I am as a Christian trying to tell them how to do something. And they're teaching me how to love in a greater way that I never learned as, as a Christian. And, and so all I'm saying in that is that, you know, sometimes our, our narrowness of our mind needs to be expanded. And sometimes we come into these experiences like I feel like I've led to expand my love to find out how God, how big God really is. He's not just small. It's just like the scripture you read there. If we're in love, we're in God. Yes. Take yes. the parameters off. Just love, you know? Yeah, I was just, in fact, I was just reading a, uh, uh, there's a little, you know, Richard Rohr has become uh, one of my favorite uh, authors. He has a little book. It's just a little devotional thing called Just This. And it's just got these little short, like almost like daily devotionals in it. And uh, I read one this morning, uh, The River of Life. And he and was talking about just being swallowed up in this stream of love that we already inhabit, but that we need to let go. We're always trying to push the stream, control it. Yeah. And he's talking about we just need to learn to let go and realize we're already in this vast yeah. stream yeah. of love. That yeah. God. And we're sure. over. And the false self is always fighting and separating and and trying to trying to direct the current, you know, or trying to control the, the dang thing. <laughs> that's me. You know, that's the Armenian me. You know, that's what I'm trying to do. Control it. And you find out when you lose control, you really you really find out what life's all about. And for sure. For sure. Well Dan, we uh we talked about death for an hour. Wow. Can it you imagine? By, it felt like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's always great being with you, Fred. You it too. Always is. You too. Yeah. Thank you so much. So send me some of those books. I will. You referenced at least three or four of them. Make sure you include those. I will. I post this. Um, I'll drop those books into my, to the notes that I post on Facebook and Instagram. And Okay. On our YouTube, get right on that and get them right to you. Yeah, and uh, and those books that I re reference are on Audible. I mean, I, that's the way I read anymore. So, yeah, I'm I do, sure. especially when I'm driving from Colorado to Kansas City. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you need to come out here more often. Oh man, I, I get out there. I'm in Colorado two or three times a year, typically. So I just don't quite get as far west as you sometimes. But uh, well, you just have to. You know, extend your right <laughs> a little more. You know, go beyond your boundaries and go out. Go out to Loma, Colorado. Right, right. 
Yes. All right, my friend. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Spirituality Adventures. And uh, man, go over to spiritualityadventures.com if you're not already a part of our support team. We appreciate it. Your support keeps us uh, going on these podcasts and the blogs that I write and all that kind of stuff. So um, thank you, Dan. And uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, you made it to the end. Thanks for listening all the way through on this episode. By the way, if you're not already a supporter, go to spiritualityadventures.com. Sign up for one of our monthly supports and you will receive our bonus content. You'll receive lots of interesting information about our guests. Many of our musicians will do special bonus songs and record a song. So I want to encourage you to do that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Be sure and subscribe. Be sure and share any of the episodes that you like. And be sure and make comments if you like them as well. This helps us uh, get spirituality adventures out there to more listeners, more, more watchers. So whatever platform you're using, subscribe, like, share, make comments. And go to our website, sign up for our team and be a part of the team support. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.